The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Europe for this Tuesday, the 25th of April in London. Coming up today. Banking on a successful takeover. UBS sees net inflows of $28 billion in the first quarter. $100 billion hole. First Republic shares plunge after depositors take flight. A CV showdown. Job seeker numbers soar in the City of London as vacancies slump. Taxing conversations, handbags at Downing Street and the FCA's guilty headache. Those are the stories we're looking at in today's papers, and I'm Leanne Gerrans. Plus, tuckered out Fox News ditches star host Carlson a week after its record $787 million Dominion settlement. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak Europe. The business news you need to start your day in just one 15-minute podcast on Apple, Spotify, the Bloomberg Business app, and everywhere you get your podcasts. Good morning, I'm Stephen Carroll. And I'm Alex Webb. Here are the stories we're following today. The UBS, which attracted $28 billion from wealthy clients in the months running up to its takeover of Credit Suisse. That includes $7 billion that came in the 10 days after the government-backed takeover was announced. Bloomberg Finance editor Patrick Winters reacted to the numbers. It's good, right? It's positive. Uh, it's inflows, not outflows. But I think you have to put that into perspective of Credit Suisse having 60 billion of outflows um, reporting that yesterday. So, you know, what's, what's in the gap? Uh, basically, UBS is buying a company um, that's bleeding a lot of assets, and UBS uh, is not able to is not taking all of those assets in. Right, some of them are filtering out uh, to other companies, other institutions, probably rivals, um, and that gap is is going to be the most concerning thing. Patrick Winters speaking to us earlier in the programme there. UBS says it now expects to wrap up its purchase of Credit Suisse in the second quarter. The bank also announced that it will take a $665 million litigation provision tied to its role in selling mortgage securities before the financial crisis. The Spanish lender Santander reported profits of 2.57 billion euros in the first quarter, beating the average estimates of 2.4 billion. The bank's also setting aside 224 million euros to cover the cost of a Spanish windfall tax on bank revenues this year. Santander added 9 million customers compared to last year, boosting its lending and deposits. To the US, and $100 billion in deposits was pulled from the First Republic Bank last month. The larger than expected outflow has reignited investor concerns about prospects for its business. Speaking to investors, First Republic's President and CEO Mike Roffler said the bank is taking action. We are pursuing strategic options to expedite our progress while reinforcing our capital position. I also want to underscore the key aspects of our business that will remain unchanged. These include operating a simple and straightforward business model, 
focused on delivering exceptional client service. Roffler's comments came as the bank said it would cut up to a quarter of its workforce, lower outstanding loan balances and curb non-essential activities. The president of Britain's biggest business lobby group says it may not survive after a series of sexual misconduct allegations levelled at some staff members. The CBI's Brian McBride says senior leaders had failed its employees. The fact that serious things happened and we didn't know about them tells us there's something wrong with the culture. We must actually get much more severe in dealing with these things. So I think where we had resolution before that was agreed by both parties, we're still saying that that's probably not enough and we have to have a zero tolerance culture here. McBride wrote an open letter to members yesterday after some of the UK's largest businesses cancelled their memberships. The CBI has suspended all business until June as it attempts to restore trust in the organisation. The number of people looking for jobs in the City of London has risen as vacancies slump. Bloomberg's Ewan Potts has the story. Job seekers up, job vacancies down. The number of people looking for work in the City of London increased in the first quarter, while the number of open positions dropped by almost a third. The latest data from Morgan McKinley highlights the tough job market for bankers amid economic uncertainty and the threat of redundancies. The survey says there were 12% more people on the hunt for work than during the same period last year. For those in finance who do manage to switch jobs, the average salary uplift was 18%. But that's the lowest salary bump in nearly two years. In London, I'm Ewan Potts, Bloomberg Daybreak Europe. Fox News has fired its most popular presenter, Tucker Carlson. Bloomberg Intelligence's media analyst, Geetha Raghunathan, says his influence can't be understated. Fox News is the major, is a crown jewel, really, of the whole Fox empire. It brings in 75% of the company's profit. It is the most watched cable network in the U.S., has been now for about 10 years running. And a huge part of that, I think, they owe to their anchors and especially, uh, you know, the popularity of Tucker Carlson. So this is, this is huge. Many investors shared Ranganathan's views with Fox's market cap losing $507 million by the close. The share price slump comes just after Fox agreed to pay $787 million to settle a defamation suit over its 2020 election coverage. So those are our top stories on the programme this morning. Of course, plenty of results to uh, dig into, but worth a word on the latest on LVMH, the French luxury giant, uh, closing in on ninth spot now for the list of world's biggest companies. Only last week we were talking about it entering the top ten. Uh, but as a result of the gain in shares the luxury goods giant has seen, its market value almost $500 billion now. Uh, Tesla at the same time, which is the company that it's chasing, uh, has seen its shares fall by 23% in the same time. So they're getting closer and closer on the billionaires list, though. Things a little bit further apart. I mean, it really does seem to underscore the importance, in a sense, of luxury because Tesla, you, as it cuts its prices, is you know, sort of pivoting to, towards being a volume car maker. And at the same time, this other company that is very much not a volume play is the one taking its place. There's some sort of parable in there somewhere. <laughs> Quite, I'm not going to actually even try and draw conclusions from that, uh, but a good point. Uh, Bernard Arnault from LVMH has uh, placed the top of the Bloomberg billionaires list now. Extend his lead over Elon Musk. So he's worth just under $213 billion versus around $163 billion for Elon Musk. Well, let's turn now to get more on our top story and the uh, results from UBS. Despite the $28 billion in new net inflows, UBS also says they're upping the money set aside for litigation. So what are the priorities for the former and new UBS CEO, Sergio Armati? He's been speaking to Bloomberg's Manus Cranny. 
First of all, uh, we were very pleased with the fact that uh, at times of uh, distress in the market, generally the first quarter was very challenging. We still saw clients uh, uh, looking at UBS as a safe haven, uh, and uh, uh, the inflows were coming in from all regions uh, and uh, from different sources. And uh, in, in that sense, uh, we are very pleased that, uh, particularly also after the announcement of the transaction uh, of the acquisition of Credit Suisse, we still saw inflows coming into uh, our bank. So a sign of confidence of our clients. Seven billion came in in the 10 days after the transaction closed. Was that Swiss money? Was that from Credit Suisse? Can we define that as Credit Suisse flow? No, it was generally across the board. And, and you can see that uh, uh, those numbers were uh, also well diversified. Uh, I would say also uh, one main driver was the US. So the confidence in this transaction was uh, also shown by our international clients uh, having a, a, a strong uh, uh, faith in, in our ability to execute. $69 billion went out the door in assets from Credit Suisse. You, in this quarter, in those 10 days after the deal, got $7 billion. I'm surprised you didn't get more. What do you say to that? Well, obviously, uh, we can demonstrate that there is enough competition out there. So anybody fearing that uh, this transaction creates too much concentration uh, uh, is wrong. So I think that uh, we are pleased with the inflows we saw. Uh, we always say that we will not be uh, the only beneficiary of this uh, transaction, and the, the numbers sh seems to show that. There is certainly a move to money market funds. That's happening in every bank. Do you think the dash to money market funds, the dash to that level of product is at peak? Do you think we've passed the peak of that dash for cash and money market? Well, it's difficult to judge. I mean, what we have to do is to stay close to clients and do the best for them. At this point in time, we do understand that at least part of their liquidity has to go into uh, money markets or, or treasuries uh, because they, they have a better, in some cases, better pickups in, 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 their, in, their, um, in their yield. And so it's very natural and uh, we are helping clients to make the best choices. And we saw very strong inflows also in our own uh, money market funds that we, uh, we manage uh, within asset management. And in terms of the net interest income up by over 30% within wealth management, so what goes through my mind is, are we at peak rates? Do you think rates will top out at 5%? Do you see a case for 6% as some people are speculating in the US on the rate cycle? Well, the case is only, is only uh, based on, on the fact that uh, if you see higher rates, it means that inflation, uh, inflation fights is, uh, is, is, is not successful and it's necessary to go to that level. I would say that the priority number one nowadays is to fight inflation, even if it costs a, a, a smaller recession. Uh, I, I, I believe that the social cost of high inflation over time will be much higher than having a slowdown in the economy. Do you think we'll have a recession, a mild recession? We, we, are, uh, we, we are not uh, ruling out that uh, towards the end of uh, this year and early part of next year, we, we may see a slowdown, yes. Let's get to the elephant in the room. Credit Suisse UBS, you are now the CEO. How confident are you the deal closes in the second quarter and what's the biggest hurdle? Well, so far we got uh, the PRA, the Fed, the Swiss authority. We are in advanced discussion with other key authorities to get uh, the, um, the approvals for the transaction. We are still working and we believe that during the second quarter we will be able to close. The biggest obstacle? It's just uh, we have to go through the processes. It takes time. The share buyback is paused. For nine years, we sat together and we talked about dividend buyback, dividend buyback, dividend buyback. Here we are 
we're in a pause mode. People are saying to me, 2026 before it restarts. Is that a reasonable guidance to the market today that it's 2026 before you can smell a buyback restart? It's too, it's too early to, uh, to talk about uh, buyback. Uh, I think what is important is to say that we pause it and we haven't cancelled it. So our intention, as soon as we have more visibility about all the numbers and our, uh, and our plans, we will have also a better uh, view on our capital uh, return strategy. At this time, we are reiterating our intention to have a progressive uh, uh, cash dividends uh, um, uh, increase every year. And uh, we are definitely uh, have an intention to uh, resume uh, share buyback when it's appropriate. Is there a hurdle? Is there a milestone where you would say this, this can help me back? to restart the buyback? Is there some material hurdle to cross? The one material uh, aspect in yes. assessing uh, um, capital returns is the solidity of our balance sheet and our uh, liquidity position, which is critical to our business. Uh, we will not compromise this, and, uh, and, and I think this is for us it's possible to achieve both, uh, continuing to have a strong capital position and at the same time having very attractive uh, sh um, shareholder returns. The chairman guided us at a number of times that the integration would take three to four years. Is that a low ball and a low bar? Uh, or, or again, is that a reasonable guidance? I think it's reasonable guidance. I mean, this is a complex uh, transaction, I think, that's, uh, uh, but it's also a transaction that will offer a huge opportunity, not only to our shareholders, but also to the, our clients. Uh, the two franchises are extremely complementary and uh, in, in many areas, and, uh, and also to our employees. But in order to fully execute a transaction of this complexity, it takes time. Uh, and we have to do the things in the right way. We should not hurry into doing things that, uh, uh, and uh, just for the sake of uh, closing uh, the transaction uh, in, uh, in a couple of years earlier. Again, what, what kind of milestone do you have? You, you've thought about this. You've thought about this deal for many years, you, Axel Weber. What, what, is the, what is the milestone in your mind that says, I'm really succeeding in this integration? Well, for me, is 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 is. is uh, more emotional than numerical. I would say that uh, in three to four years' time, I like to see uh, uh, the employees of the combined organization uh, at this country, our clients, to be very proud to be associated with the new UBS. There is a lot of social and political angst out there on Bahnhofstrasse and around over the Swiss Universal Bank. Lots of people call me and say they're going to have to give up a piece of the Swiss Universal Bank. He's going to have to IPO to appease the people out there. Again, your response to that kind of speculation. I'm glad you met some of them. I mean, it looks like we have a lot of experts nowadays on how to run banks in Switzerland. So I think that the only thing I can say is that we will take our time to make decisions based on facts and not based on emotions. And uh, I'm sure it's going to be uh, good uh, transactions. Well, the facts are that you, in your tenure, downsized the investment bank and made it something that helps wealth management. Chairman again reaffirms investment bank will come down to 25%. So as you, you've done this before, you have knowledge of Credit Suisse. Again, my question is how quickly, in real terms, can you get an investment bank at Credit Suisse integrated and down to 25% of the group? 
Well, the blueprint is our blueprint. Uh, having said that, Credit Suisse has uh, also excellent capabilities that we were missing and will be very complementary to our franchise. But uh, one thing we won't compromise is, uh, is the way we do business, uh, how we do business, and also the amount of uh, resources, in this case risk-weighted assets, that we will allocate to, to uh, the investment bank will be uh, a maximum of 25%. What's the jewel in the Credit Suisse crown that you really want to keep? Everything is, is uh, Credit Suisse is a very strong franchise. And what I'm very uh, pleased is that while we have some overlaps in many regions and in many products, we have, um, we have a complementary uh, skill set. You look at asset management, we're going to be one of the leading asset manager now in the world. And uh, thanks to uh, complementary uh, capabilities, even in Switzerland, we have uh, complementary uh, clients, uh, franchises, and, and, and in asset management. Uh, from a regional standpoint of view, uh, you look at Asia and also in Europe, we have uh, complementing um, uh, clients' uh, franchises. When will you go on the road? Are you talking to clients? Who are you talking to? What pitch are you making to stay with the United Amati group? Well, it's not a United Armati group, it's UBS, and uh, I think that uh, uh, the strength we have been demonstrating, the discipline we demonstrated in the last 12 years or so in, uh, in uh, managing uh, our, our journey will be the same one we want to pursue going forward. So, uh, Is that fine with us? We are, less, we are a less risky trade than you, you've been used to you know, you come to yeah, us. But, but look, you know, at the end of the day, we have been demonstrating our strength in terms of uh, KPIs, capital, liquidity, and so on and so forth. The most important issue nowadays is to keep a strong profitability and the trust of our clients. Downsizing these combined institutions is going to involve, as you say, reducing risk-weighted assets, but it's also going to be a social cost in terms of job losses. How quickly will that pain be felt across the group in your initial estimate at this juncture? This is by far the most painful part of the job, and, uh, but I'm confident that we will uh, do that, first of all, with full respect uh, of the people involved, mm -hmm. uh, fair and, and, and as transparent as possible. Having said that, you know that uh, we are, particularly here in Switzerland, uh, is a pretty aging population. A lot of people are retiring in the next few years, and I'm pretty sure that we will be able, through that and also through natural attrition, to mitigate at least uh, uh, the social cost. You come back into this bank hall. You left it in 2020. The world of banking, you've not been gone from the world of finance, but banking has changed. People say to me it's not 2008. What is this banking landscape out there? for you to find it? Well, the banking landscape has changed, is evolving, but there is one thing in banking that has remained the same, is trust and confidence of your clients and the employees that work for your organization. This is my focus, to restore uh, proud uh, uh, and, and, and have an organization that, uh, as I said, uh, clients and, and, and employees can be proud of, to work for. Tell me this, uh, we're back in the banking hall. Are you back in your old office? Yes. How does that feel? Good, good feeling. I think I, I was um, very honoured but humbled uh, about uh, this uh, new uh, um, uh, task I have and, uh, and the feeling is good uh, but also there is a clear sense of responsibility to make uh, sure that this thing uh, goes in the right direction. So that was the UBS CEO Sergio Armati there speaking to Bloomberg's Manus Cranny after their results published this morning. Up next, taxing conversations, handbags at Downing Street and the FCA's guilty headache. 
The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. Success is more than the final destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's discipline. It's teamwork. And it's the drive and passion inside of us that comes before all recognition. It's what Stiefel's been doing for over 130 years. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel's become one of the fastest-growing wealth management and investment banking firms in the country. Our financial advisors go beyond traditional wealth management to provide clients with direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises and a leading middle market investment bank. Because success is the drive it takes to keep climbing, the passion to keep investing, the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Start your journey at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Now, the paper review on Bloomberg Daybreak Europe. The news you need to know from today's papers. Bloomberg's Leanne Garrens joins us with the details. So, Leanne, the headline in the Financial Times, Jeremy Hunt admits UK business tax is too high as government pressed on strategy. So yesterday, Alex, Rishi Sunak and Jeremy Hunt launched a charm offensive at the Business Connect event in North London. But it didn't go all completely as was planned. They did face backlash from these big British brands. The main one really was Burberry that caught many people's attention, who are criticising the government's decision to remove tax-free shopping for tourists. Now, Bloomberg is reporting... Jerry Murphy, that's Burberry's chairman, said the UK had scored a spectacular own goal in removing tax breaks, which is actually putting tourists off shopping in the UK after Brexit. Now, his words caused this very awkward exchange with Rishi Sunak. And during his reply, the Prime Minister actually declined to discuss tax policy in an open forum, but said he was listening. He also said there were such good reasons for the VAT change. And the Chancellor, Jeremy Hunt, also yesterday during this big meeting of British corporate and businesses admitted that the tax was just far too high. But he said the economy needed to grow more to bring taxes down. Now, according to the story in the FT, Conservative Party insiders privately are admitting Labour's leader Keir Starmer has led a highly successful charm offensive with businesses alongside the shadow chancellor, Rachel Reeves. So there we are, a little bit of tug of war yesterday at that big business event here in London. Another conversation that came up at that event being picked up by the Times newspaper today, the headline of this story, My Wife Loves You, Sunak tells maker of £2,600 designer handbags. Yes, (laughs) 
this is something that happened yesterday. So, of course, the Telegraph has a story and we can link it to the first one because Andrea... Anya Hindmarch was actually making the comments. She was asking Rishi Sunak a question about the industry. And she is a very well-known British designer who does luxury handbags. Now, the Telegraph says the Prime Minister's off-the-cuff remarks reignite the debate over his personal wealth. So when she asked Rishi Sunak the question yesterday, he actually personally thanked the London-based designer for everything she'd done for the country and also for providing him with great presents for his wife during Christmas or her birthday. He used to get her these bags, according to what he's saying. He's betraying all the secrets now. Yes, he is. Yeah, he is indeed. And also, Anya Hindmarch. So her bags cost about... £2,600. That's the upper limit of it, but you can get all different ranges. So it depends, obviously, on the size of the bag. That's normally the way it works. But she's very well known. I know our very own Francine Lacqua has interviewed her for Leaders with Lacqua. Mm. But um, yes, but there's different range. And look, the problem with this yesterday is Rishi Sunak was probably trying to be a little bit more personal. He just had this off the cuff remark. But once again, it's what the critics are saying, they just often paint him as a man who is completely out of touch. Um, Apparently, according to um, the story right now and to the newspaper, the Telegraph is basically saying he is estimated fortune of almost three quarters of a billion pounds. And remember, he is married to Akshata Murthy, the daughter of a billionaire Indian Entrepreneur, But a lot of times, Stephen, I've heard them talk to Tory MPs about Rishi Sunak's wealth and they do always say he can't help being rich or who he's married. It's certainly something that uh, is coming back to haunt him time and again. The Times has another story saying the clamp down on liability-driven investment funds after... Well, says there is a clamp, clamp down on liability-driven investment funds after the mini-budget route. So... Listen, this story really, Alex, comes after... Do you remember casting your mind back to September when we had that complete guilt fiasco? So yesterday, the Financial Conduct Authority set out tougher guidance for companies operating liability-driven investments. Now, these liability-driven investment funds, or LDIs, are a type of a non-bank financial institution, also known as shadow banks, and they often use to describe everything from a hedge fund to a pension scheme. Now, the funds industry was at the centre of this meltdown that completely gripped the pension scheme during Liz Truss's very short-lived time in government. So some pension funds which use LDI funds to manage portfolios were just thrown into complete turmoil after the mini-budget. So basically, this story talks about the FCA and they clamped down on LDIs and why there's tougher guidance coming in after that guilt fiasco in September. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Europe, your morning brief on the stories making news from London to Wall Street and beyond. Look for us on your podcast feed every morning on Apple, Spotify and anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can also listen live each morning on London DAB Radio, the Bloomberg Business app and Bloomberg.com. Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa devices. Just say, Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. I'm Alex Webb. 
And I'm Stephen Carroll. Join us again tomorrow morning for all the news you need to start your day, right here on Bloomberg Daybreak Europe. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.